0: Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed.
1: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine. erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
0: Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom, it's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Midseason TV here faster than you know it. It's episode 451 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Hopefully you get back into the swing of things from the holidays and and certainly I am and, I, and I'll admit something to you right here. I goofed a little bit, not gonna lie. So this week I was planning on sharing some interviews from season two of Hunters which is going to be coming up on Prime Video here this coming week and by, by that I mean January the 13th. So I'm getting ready to air these interviews this week. So excited to to share them with you. And then I look at the date, and and there's a something called an embargo date. When you and that's a little inside baseball. So so this basically the folks at Prime Video say, yeah, here's when we would like you to share these interviews. And I thought I was good, and it's not good yet. So I can't share them yet. So now I got to wait till next week, we're closer to when this the show actually airs. So my bad. So guess what we're gonna do this week? Gonna talk about season nine. Of the Flash. There was a ton of news surrounding season nine this week. You had some, you know, obviously Stephen Amell is going to be back for this upcoming season. There's more characters that are returning. I've got some thoughts on the final season. You know, what do I want to see? What do I not want to see in a final season of the Flash? So that is going to be our main point of discussion this week but that's not everything because there's a ton of v- reviews to talk about too. We've got The Bad Batch is back. Season 2 kicked off on Disney Plus this week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches, that premiere on AMC, and The Menu. If you haven't seen The Menu yet, which is now available on Digital HD and on HBO Max, too, by the way. We'll talk about the Reef Finds movie that is is certainly 100% serving up some creepy stuff. And there's also some stuff going on. Speaking of the creepy stuff going on with the Wednesday series, a bunch of new trailers that dropped this week that maybe you missed. We'll talk about that as well. So my bad for goofing up. Hopefully we have some fun talking about The Flash. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: This is Matt Lesher from The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: The fastest man alive will be gone before you know it. Season nine of The Flash is going to be premiering This February, and there was a ton of news about it this week, there was even a new poster with the boots saying one final run sort of thing, there was all kinds of pictures and news, so I thought, let's talk about the upcoming ninth season of The Flash, expectations, some concerns that I have for this upcoming season, what I want to see from this season, and talk about some of the news that happened this week. So Let me start with the news, and that is that we have a trio that are going to be a part of the show in this final season, Keenan Lonsdale is going to be back as Wally West. That should be no surprise. You got to have Wally in the final season of the flash. Glad that he's going to be back. John Diggle is going to be a part of the show as well. So David Ramsey is going to be back again. Since he's like the mayor of the Arrowverse at this point, that shouldn't surprise anyone. We'll also have blood work back for the first time since season six, I believe it was, was the last time we saw Rama Ramamurthy as Bloodwork Ramsey Russo. So it's just, again, that's an interesting addition to this season. And I don't want to get into like, you know, plot synopsis and stuff like that. We'll get into that maybe a little bit here coming up. But even the last time we saw Wally, it was a little bit contentious between he and Barry with, the whole, with everything that was happening with the Speed Force. So to find out where they're at right now. I think would be really interesting. I think they're probably good, but you just you never know because you know Wally's been gone for a little bit. We need to know was he what he's up to too. But the biggest news surrounding this season was that Stephen Amell gonna come back as Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow himself, gonna be back for season nine, specifically in episode nine, which Daniel Panabaker is going to be directing. By the way, saying that it's gonna be a very special episode. Tears are gonna be shed all of these different things. And while I'm I'm very excited for all of these things, by the way, and this was all confirmed on social media by race. So these are things that are happening. Here's something that I look at with all this. While that's great. And you know that in a final season, you sort of, you wrap things up, right? You bring back some people that you haven't seen in a while. And that's, that's always fun to do when you're bringing back the characters that are really important to fans, especially somebody like Wally that we haven't seen in a while. And having Diggle in there makes sense because, again, you're going to try and continue the Arrowverse maybe in a little bit of a way with his with his show that's going to be coming up or maybe not coming up. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But that's the problem that I'm worried about with this final season of The Flash as well. And I nobody's more stoked than me that Stephen Amell is coming back. As Oliver Queen because I'm really happy about that but at the same time because you know Javicia Leslie is going to be playing Red Death in this in this season as well at least we think she is that's that's we she's going to be a part of the show but what I also don't want the Flash's final season to be is just a let's wrap up the Arrowverse season right because we pretty much know the Arrowverse is dead and buried. It's, it's, it's going away. It's going to be gone here soon, soon enough. Maybe sooner than we think. We'll find out here before we know it. But I don't want this to have to be a, here's all the loose ends we need to tie up in the Arrowverse. Let's do that in this ninth season of The Flash. Because it's not fair to this show that's basically carried the Arrowverse on its back for years. Let's just face it, right? I saw an article from comicbook.com that said, why The Flash shouldn't have Legends of Tomorrow in its final season. I didn't read it all, admit I didn't read it, because I know the answer already. I'm not saying I know what this person was writing about. I'm saying, here's why, and we should all know why. Because again, it's not The Flash's job to tie up the loose ends of the Arrowverse in its final season. It's this show's job to tie up its own loose ends and tie up its own story in this final season because that's what us as fans deserve. That is what we deserve from this show. We deserve to see what we saw in the first teaser trailer for this final season, and that is a happy Barry Allen and Iris West Allen. West Allen needs to be happy, have a happy ending, have more happiness In this upcoming season. Are there going to be things that go wrong? Sure. Are there going to be villains to deal with? Sure. That's the life of a superhero. But we've seen plenty of happiness be involved with that in other shows as well at times. So it's been so much doom and gloom for this, for that couple, for this team, for this family in general, that we need to get some happiness out of this. And we don't need to do that by muddling it up with trying to bring all of these characters in and feel like we need to tie up the Arrowverse in a neat little bow. That's not what needs to happen. Maybe you're still upset that certain shows ended sooner than you wanted them to. So am I. But do we want to see these things tied up at the expense of what has been a fantastic run, pun intended, for The Flash? No, absolutely not. And we're already seeing on social media, I'm seeing, you know, we're going to get Cisco coming back for a little bit. Are we going to get this character? Are we going to get that character? I mean, maybe, right? I want to see Cisco again, but where does he fit in to the finality of the story? Don't know. Wally makes sense to me. Cisco doesn't not make sense to me. But are you going to force him to come in and come back because he's he was a key member of the show and you should see him in, in, in some sort of a send-off? Maybe you should, right? Maybe if it makes sense, maybe if it's like a cameo or something like that and it makes sense, let's do that. There's a reason that they're bringing Oliver Queen back. I'm convinced of that. because A, because Stephen Amell wouldn't come back unless there was a, a, a good reason to. And he, I know he tweeted, you know, when when Barry calls, you know, Oliver answers, sort of thing, and that's very true, and that's maybe the main reason for him coming back. Barry just needs the help of one person that he knows he can go to for it. Now, how he makes that call, I don't know, and you know what I'm talking about because you know, you know what what happened with the end of Arrow and the end of of Oliver Queen and things like that. But like, there there's a way. There's there's got to be a way. Something something is is going to be done, and you know hopefully it's not buried screwing up the timeline for like the 60th time on this show. But but again, that's my one concern. Is that I know Eric Wallace knows better. I've I've confidence in Eric Wallace that he's going to be able to execute this stuff and and everything will be fine. But I'm just worried that you know the powers that be that the all encompassing view of things is like okay we left a hole here in the arrowverse. Let's just go ahead and fill that up We've because here's the thing. If we had more episodes in this season, remember there's only 13 episodes in this final season of The Flash. If there were more episodes, then I would say, you know what? Let's do a short little run to tie up Batwoman. Let's do a short little run to tie up maybe some loose ends from Arrow or some other character arcs and stuff like that. I want to focus on West Allen in this season. Like, really, really want to focus on them specifically because they deserve that. We gave Killer Frost and Caitlin, you get, we gave them their moment, right? I think that we've given them their time. We gave, I mean, even, you know, Allegra and Chester's story that they focused on a little bit. We, you know, I'm not saying that's not important at all, but it, come on. This is the final season of The Flash. This is important. This is one... Where we need to have the West Allen moments that we've been waiting for, and there's still plenty of those. By the way, there's babies that need to be made here. Let's just let's you know figure that out a little bit. There's more smiles that need to be shared between the two of them. They just need to have these happy moments in their marriage. And by the way, just friggin' be together, like together. You know, nobody's dead. Nobody's trapped in the mirrorverse. Nobody's off in the speed force. Nobody's, you know, in another world. Nobody's in another body or being possessed by anything. Just friggin' be, right? Let's let them be for a little bit. And that's not boring, by the way. If you are invested in these characters, which you should be over the course of the last several seasons, you should be invested in these characters and want this. And if you say, no, this is a superhero show. That's boring. I don't care about that. Then you don't care about this show. You don't care about this show enough to, to want to see what you should be seeing in the first place from this final season of The Flash because that is deeply important. And anybody that's ever cracked open a comic book in their life knows how important that Iris, West, Allen, and Barry Allen relationship is, period. There's no getting around that. If you are a Flash fan at all, that is one thing you should get and understand. And it's not always sunshine and rainbows. But, you know, we haven't had very many sunny days or rainbowy days in the flash with these two. They deserve that. This is a group, a family, a unit that deserves that. This is a relationship that we need to. I mean, look at, let's look at all of the moments that we have between Oliver and Felicity. You know, Elicity fans, shout out to you. How many of those moments do we have in Arrow? Now, were things super bad at times for them too? Absolutely, but they had some happy moments, plenty of them, leading up, you know, with their with their dating and things like that. They had some happy moments, even you know when they finally you know were together for a while, and, and they they had their moments in their marriage. Guess what? They haven't really had any for Iris West and Barry Allen pre marriage. During their marriage, it's been tough for them. Hadn't been a whole lot to be happy about. Hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities to just, you know, enjoy their lives together. And you're superheroes. You get that that's not really an option all the time. But why have all these other shows, even in Supergirl, we saw that. Now, you know, Kara certainly had trouble, you know, finding love over the course of, you know, every season of Supergirl. She certainly had it rough there. But her family unit, she had a wonderful family unit that she got to have plenty of wonderful moments with. That's not something you saw a whole lot for Barry or for Iris or them together, by the way. So let's get that in the season. Let's focus on the characters that matter the most. Barry Allen, Iris West Allen, Grant Gustin, Candace Patton. Let's let them have their moments in their own freaking show and focus on that a little bit. Give them a proper villain to send this show off on, make sure, like Manny Gomez from LRM Online had said, you know, let him be the fastest man alive, finally. I mean, not just ultimately the fastest man alive, let him be the freaking fastest man alive like he's supposed to be. Nothing wrong with letting The Flash be the fastest man in his own show for once. Now, are are you going to get bested on occasion? Sure, because that's the foundation of comic books and superhero storytelling is that sometimes your hero... Just gets bested on any given day. So if you're not the fastest man alive every single freaking day, you know, that, that stuff happens. You know, you get tripped up. You don't see the little pebble on the road that jacks you up a little bit. You know, okay, that, that sort of stuff happens. But let him be the fastest man alive. Give these characters their due. Give these characters the proper send-off that they deserve. I think that this show will do that. But I don't want them to get caught up in the minutia of feeling like, they have to do right by the entire Arrowverse because that's just not fair. And I really hope that they've figured that out before entering into this final season of The Flash, which, by the way, is going to be premiering on The CW on starting their four, 13 episode run on Wednesday, February the 8th. That's going to do it for my chat about Season 9 of The Flash. Up next, going to dive into some reviews, some good ones, too. Talk about Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, which kicked off...
2: grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm all lowercase go to shopify.com slash r-e-a-l-m now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash realm
1: greetings adventurers today we're excited to introduce you to a new story
0: You are listening to the Down and Dirty Podcast. The Misfits are back, and they have a new mission. Season two of Star Wars: The Bad Batch is now streaming on Disney Plus, or at least the first couple of episodes are. Anyway, I want to do some spoilers with this since the episodes were out a few days ago. I think that that's kind of enough time to do some spoilers. So if you haven't watched season two, episodes one and two yet, you might want to, you know, skip ahead a little bit so you don't get any spoilers here. But this actually takes place a few months. After the events of the end of season one. And yes, the Bad Batch does have a new mission. This is actually a mission that could set them free. This this one this is like, you know, go ahead and go retire on an island somewhere type of thing. So they're going after Count Doku's war chest. Well, of course, yes, the Empire has beaten them there, and now they have to try and find a way to smuggle it out of there undetected. Now, if you watch these episodes already you could see that that didn't happen you could probably assume that that wasn't going to happen anyway you you knew that it wasn't going to just go that smoothly for them right so i got to say I, and i'm not going to get into deta- all these you know deep details of all the episode but i thought it you know very action packed very well put together the stakes were high and you know you don't necessarily think that anything bad's going to happen to the bad batch to this elite group right in the beginning of the second season. But, I mean, we see, hey, we've seen some of them get captured before. We've seen some of them tough spots before, so you never really knew what was going to happen. And also with Omega, too, because, you know, Omega gets right in there now. You could see that she's really becoming a part of the group, even though, you know, Hunter still wants to kind of keep her at arm's length, keep her safe. She's just going to jump right in and do her thing and try to help out as much as she can. So And, and she's learning a lot, too, thanks to Tech, which is really a really fun dynamic between the two of them but we also see that there's a little bit of dissension because Echo thinks they should be doing more to battle against the Empire and Hunter just kind of you know he wants Omega to have a normal life and I think you know as much as he wouldn't want to admit it he wants the same thing so you know there's a little bit of push and pull there as to whether or not they should be going after the Empire or not and you know Omega picks up on this and it's not easy for her so that, that causes her to You know, maybe make a couple of reckless decisions, puts herself in harm's way, puts the team in harm's way as well. And Echo, you know, has to keep, you know, put a little bit of ownership of that as well. But it seems like slowly but surely everybody's coming to the realization that no matter what, your problems aren't going to be going away anytime soon. You know, just one heist isn't going to be enough to just make all of the problems of the Empire go away and them being right on your tail because they don't want you to exist. That was one thing that was made very clear in these first couple of episodes, too. The Empire doesn't even want to acknowledge that this team exists. This is, this is a mistake that they need to clean up. This is a mistake they want to act like they already cleaned up so they could just move on. And you saw how far they'll go to make sure that that's the narrative and that that gets covered up. You saw how far they will go to do that at the end of the second episode. But this show just keeps proving why it's probably one of the most underrated star wars series in a while or maybe ever if you want if you want to go ahead and go out there cuz you know the the clone wars much beloved by fans you know a lot of the live action series been loved by fans as well this is one that almost kind of gets forgotten and it's funny because that's it's it's almost like the the group of the elite group themselves right it's almost like the bad batch themselves you almost forget you, you almost get forgotten but this show really does I mean, story-wise, it brings it every time. This really, really good action. It's animated extremely well. It definitely gives you Clone Wars vibes when you see it, with at least with even more of an enhanced type of animation style. Because you know, several years later, you can do more things with animation now than you could when the Clone War than than you could when the Clone Wars first came out. So, this is just one of those things where, and and the story deepens, I think, in this season because we're going to see you know, what, how far they're willing to go to go after the empire or not, and how much this dissension will end up affecting the group at some point. Because you even see that at one point they, you know, Hunter's like, I don't want to go after the war chest. And he, they, the group outvotes him, you know, and Wrecker says, you know, hey, we had a vote. We want to go after this thing. So it's just interesting that it was a follow the leader type mentality before for them and now it's like you know we want to make sure that we're doing what's best for the group best for everybody and and Hunter's not necessarily lost his way on that but you could tell that you know he and his heart's in the right place he wants to do what's best for Maggie you appreciate that but how much that's still going to be a problem going forward I think will be interesting I think that these first couple of episodes might have been a turning point for that for sure so I'm so excited that the Bad Batch is back Get new episodes every Wednesday on Disney Plus. Could be a really intriguing season. And again, to see, and we know that Rex will be back, Fennec Shand will be back as well. So we'll see what their roles are going to be coming up a little bit later on in this season. But where the story goes for this group from here, I think will be very, very interesting as far as the future of Star Wars storytelling here is concerned. That's gonna do it for my review of the first couple of episodes of Star Wars. The Bad Batch. Up next, we'll go to AMC. Talk about Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches. The premiere of that one, spoiler free, we'll talk about that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: This is Summer Bishel from The Magicians, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: The Immortal Universe is expanding on AMC+. Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches is going to be premiering this weekend on AMC and AMC+. I say the Immortal Universe because this is now a connected universe with the Interview with the Vampire series, that's happening on AMC as well. So, but you know, you're not getting a whole lot of connection in this first episode. So, you know, don't be looking for things like that. You know, you, this is just very much an introduction to the story. Which, again, spoiler free here since this thing has not premiered yet on AMC. So, I want to go ahead and do this spoiler free. And what you're following is a story of a neurosurgeon, Rowan Fielding, who's played by Alexandra Daddario, who kind of finds out that she is a she is a heir to a family of witches. Now, do you get all of that right in this first episode? I could tell you that you, you you don't, but you see the very very much see the beginnings of that. That's just the description for the series that we get from the at the very beginning, and of course you see some of that in the trailer as well. What you do get is a, This is very much this first episode is very much an introductory episode. You get to learn about Rowan. You get to learn about. You know her family a little bit about her backstory but there's another timeline at play here so if you know going in that you're dealing with two separate timelines that's going to be very helpful in being able to follow the story in the early going and and Deidre is a character that you're going to want to pay attention to once you watch the show you'll understand what I mean because there are two different Deidre's that are going to be you're going to be seeing in this episode and you're going to meet a lot of different characters and what their importance is Isn't always clear in the early going, but what you get to see is Rowan discovering certain things about herself in a very, I want to say, surprising way, and in a very abrupt and very serious way for sure. And you know, her mother is is someone that she she's she's adopted. I can tell you that much. So her mother is is someone that you know kind of tries to keep her grounded, sort of thing. But there's there's issues there as well, which you'll see in this first episode. And then you'll meet other characters like Lasher, who's a very, very mysterious character. You're like, okay, well, is he going to be the villain of the series? Well, you know, what's going on here? Again, this is all assuming that you're not familiar with this story anyway from Anne Rice's, Anne Rice's books. So if you are, you kind of know who everybody is, but there's going to be people like myself going and watching this fresh that didn't read Mayfair Witches. So you're being introduced to these characters for the first time. And then you have Cyprian who is going to be playing a big role in, in upcoming episodes. We'll meet him in the early going. And there's just a lot going on here. And it's almost like a, hey, imagine this happened to you sort of thing. And Rowan's got her own problems in her life anyway. She might be a neurosurgeon, but there's more to it than that. And and, and being a woman in that field that, that certainly plays a role in this thing as well. And certain people that she meets, certain pressures... That are happening in her life, and that can sometimes be a catalyst for something that's you know hiding deep inside you that you didn't know was there. So you have to consider that when you're watching this show as well. So again, I'm not spoiling anything here, but what this episode does is it very much sets the table for what you're going to be seeing in future episodes of the series. So just think of this as a little bit of an introduction. And a couple of times... You'll you'll see what's going on here and you're like, oh, don't do that. What are you doing? Or you're wondering if you should be paying attention to something more than you really are in the early going. So this this show, it's not perfect. Okay. If you're expecting it to be a little bit more like Interview with a Vampire, I don't know that I would liken the two together, even if they are in a connected universe. I think they feel like very different shows vibe-wise and tonally going into this first episode. Anyway, it's hard to tell based on just one episode, which is all I can judge it on right now because that's, you know, all that's going to be debuting. I can't tell you about the whole season. I can only tell you about just the one episode for now. I think it introduces its characters well. I think it gives you some backstory on those that need it immediately. I think that it also leaves mystery, where mystery needs to be left. Does it make a couple of leaps in this first episode? where you're like, I wish I'd have gotten a little bit more on that before you went ahead and just made that jump and moved on. Yeah, there's a couple of things, especially that involve Deidre, that I'm like, okay, you know, we could have gotten a little bit more of that before you just kind of jump and get to the point. You understand why they do that. At the same time, you understand why they do it. But it's maybe, again, something you could have added a little bit more depth to and maybe saved for a little bit later on in the season. But there's still plenty of mystery at play here, even though there are some pretty significant reveals in these, in this first episode, you're going to, you could tell you're setting the table for more here. And there's a lot of uneasiness about this first episode as well with involving several of the characters. I think that that's a really smart move. So you've got my interest peaks. Now at the same time, I wasn't wowed by it. But I was still intrigued enough by it that I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this, I, I'm interested to see what happens. And Alexandra Daddario does such a good job as Rowan. I mean, she definitely nails it. And I think that Jack Hudson is Lasher. Also very, very good, even though we don't get to see him quite as much in this first episode. You could definitely tell we're going to be getting more that Lasher here coming up. But those are you know, two of the characters I certainly have my eye on for this thing but hey Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches definitely one I think you're going to want to at least give it a shot premieres Sunday January 8th on AMC and AMC Plus make sure you also watch episodes every Sunday on AMC because that's where you're going to be able to get them this first season again has potential doesn't have me hooked yet but I'll stick with it and see where I'm at in a couple of episodes That'll do it for my spoiler free review of Anne Rice's Mayfair, which is the first episode anyway. Up next, going to switch gears, talk about The Menu, brand new movie from Searchlight Pictures. Talk about that next. I'm James Witham, and this is The Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Amelia Jones from
1: Netflix's Lock and Key, and you're listening to The Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: If you ever wanted to be a foodie, this one might just change your mind. The Menu, brand new movie from Searchlight Pictures is now on digital HD. As a matter of fact, it came out on Tuesday. Still going to do this spoiler free though. I want to let you know that Searchlight Pictures did give me a free copy of this digital movie for review. All opinions here are my own. And this has been described as a dark comedy. I'm not sure I'd go that far yet. Unless, I mean, this is about as dark as comedy gets. If that's the case. I would say that this is more of a thriller than a comedy, and with some horror sort of mixed in. Basically, what you have here is a young couple, you know, Anna Taylor, Anya Taylor Joy and Nicholas Holt play those characters. They travel to this coastal island to eat at an exclusive restaurant, and I mean, ultra exclusive. The chef is Ray Fines, and there's a very interesting menu, to say the least, and some surprises that are on deck as well for this thing. And again, that's to put it, Mildly, what this really is kind of—it's almost like a commentary both on like the 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 foodie culture in general and how ridiculous it can be at times. I mean, even if you just scroll through TikTok, you'll get plenty of that for sure. But it also, you know, is a jab at pretentiousness and 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 social structure and social class and you know the 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 haves. Not necessarily the haves and the have-nots, but the haves and the elitist crowd. It's very much a, a commentary against that and, and very much an extreme way to bring certain things out about certain people and bring things to light and, and and expose people and you know put their feet to the fire a little bit, especially when they think that they're untouchable. And I will say that, I mean, and this has been said plenty if you read reviews or see reviews of this movie for the menu. But I mean Ray Finds is is really, really incredible in this thing, and he just finds this way to make you ultra uncomfortable as this thing goes. I mean it starts off I don't want to say innocent enough because I'm not sure there's really anything innocent about this movie, but it starts off somewhat normal. And really starts to—it's not taking an abrupt turn. It's not like something suddenly happens, and and things take a turn for the for the worse. It's it's a very much a slow turn towards chaos. And it's you you see that everything seems normal. You know the food's coming out, the restaurant is everybody's as exclusive as you think it is. Something you know seems a little bit off center right away, but you're also eating in a restaurant that's in an, on an island. So come on. I mean, it's something's going to be weird about it anyway. But then you see it slowly start to unravel after that. And I mean, you want to talk about stuff that comes out of left field. And I'm not just talking about the food. Some of the things that happen in this thing, it, it is a slow turn towards the madness. But at the same time, there is some shock value to this thing as well. There was definitely a couple times where... Something happened and I was like, whoa, that did not see that coming. You know, definitely did not see that coming and not sure that, you know, and and it's just going to make you squirm a little bit at times. And again, not just because of this menu, but it's, there's something so simplistic about this way the story is told because there's so much normalcy in a weird way. You know, like they said, Seinfeld was a show about nothing. Well, this very much times the menu is a movie about nothing other than these groups of people, these each individual tables and each individual groups of these people that are eating together and how they're going about their own lives and how each of their lives starts to get exposed little bit by little bit while they are at this restaurant. That's the best way that I can really think to put it. And Anya Taylor-Joy's character in particular is one that is very, very interesting and keeps you guessing. But it's also very interesting. And she's one of the characters that you definitely want to pay attention to because it's almost like, a okay, who in this group doesn't necessarily belong? Who stands out? And you automatically just kind of pick her out of that just based on vibe alone, I think, or at least I did anyway. So I was keeping a close eye on that character throughout. This movie and that turned out to be the right call. So again, just you know, giving you a little bit of a heads up there. So this movie is—it's it, almost—I won't say that it's—it's it's superb. I don't think it's—it's it's like a an undeniable, amazing movie. I think that there are definitely times where it drags on a bit. I think that it it takes a couple of leaps with its characters without some backstory that it didn't necessarily need to take I think that you know veering off course a little bit a couple times and, and lengthening certain things there there could have been more moments where there was like false hope I think that that's one of the things in a thriller like this you have to kind of try to have that's one of the tropes you need in a thriller and you do get some of that but I think they could have actually done with a little bit more of that. But I do think one of the most brilliant parts about this movie was how it ended and what was the certain thing to sort of throw everything off of its path. And I'm really trying to describe this thing without spoiling anything. And I know the movie's been out, but it just came out on digital. So you've been waiting for it on the digital, I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it. But there is a simplistically brilliant thing that happens with two characters in particular, two of the main characters in this movie that makes things... It, it, it's almost like the the secret password, if you will, right? It's almost like figuring out that piece of the puzzle that nobody else figured out. And that is the only thing that I'm going to give you. And it's, it's paying attention to small details and realizing that somebody might be a little bit smarter than you thought they were initially, and how it all works out is is the most brilliant part of this whole movie. And again, there's there is some shock value there. That's not exactly what this movie's going for. It's going for definitely having some commentary, social commentary there. It's going for aesthetics for sure. It's brilliantly shot. I could tell you that. There's even if you buy this on digital, depending on where you're where you're watching it, there's plenty of special features that are involved as well. And you get to, they get a look inside the menu, which is one of the big featurettes, and they actually do a first course, second course, and a dessert menu for that. And it actually takes you in. It's like the dessert sequence is pretty lavish, and pretty crazy in this thing. And that one of the featurettes kind of takes you through that sequence and the costume designs as well, which were very, very unique. So that's something that if you get this on digital, it, you're, I think you're going to want to pay attention to these special features and maybe get a little bit more answers in, in that realm and doing that. So the menu from Searchlight Pictures has definitely been much talked about. Critics have loved it. It's one of those th- movies that maybe tries to be something a little bit higher than it actually is. And maybe you get a pretentious vibe from it. But I think that that's on purpose because the the commentary is about the pretension And why it's, I don't want to say not necessary, but certainly not, you know, widely accepted in society for sure. And and, nor should it be necessarily. But I mean, it's one of those movies where you see it and you, you take it for what it is and you make your own opinion about it, whether you dig it or not. But it certainly has some very interesting and eccentric characters that will keep you guessing throughout the whole thing, or at least I think it will anyway. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free, I guess free, review of the menu from Searchlight Pictures. Up next, yeah, let's jump into some nerd news and maybe some trouble coming up for Wednesday. Where is it going to be? Let's talk about that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Yeah, brother. This is Josh Segura, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Netflix isn't careful one of its biggest hits could get snapped up. It's time for nerd news. Before I get into that, though... I want to send out well wishes to Jeremy Renner. Of course, his accident around New Year's was definitely a terrible one. Hopefully, he is on the mend, on the road to recovery. It looks like he's trending in that direction. So, certainly, well wishes to Jeremy Renner. He's got Mayor of Kingstown coming out on Paramount Plus here soon. Of course, he's still Hawkeye, too. I mean, he's always going to be Hawkeye. I actually rewatched that show during the holidays. Still love it. So, again, well wishes to Jeremy Renner. Can't wait until you are back up and being the Avenger that you are once again. Now, I want to get into this story that has to do with Wednesday. It's been a hit on Netflix, billions and billions of views. That was, to me, expected anyway. And the problem is in the logistics here, because you're like, where's season two? It's got to have a second season, right? And you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, patient like, what's the deal, Netflix? Is this just Netflix being Netflix or what, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is that Netflix doesn't own MGM, Amazon does. So Prime Video could be trying to snatch Wednesday out from underneath Netflix. I think this uh, this was first reported by Collider. It's where I first saw it anyway. So apologies if if you see it on Collider and they've got the source. That's they—they'll tell you who the original source was, but the first place I saw it was on Collider, saying that Prime Video could be set to take Wednesday from Netflix and get their season two on the Prime Video streaming service. Now, Amazon acquired MGM, which produces Wednesday. Netflix didn't commit to multiple seasons of this show right off the bat, and that's not a—that's you know not an uncommon thing, by the way. It's more uncommon. To see something like when you saw Warner Brothers putting Rings of Power on Prime Video. Well, Prime Video, Amazon said, yeah, we're going to want a second season before the first season even airs. You lock that up because you don't want to even have the possibility of it going anywhere else. Seems simple, right? Well, you know, Netflix, you can't really blame them for only having one season of certain shows. Because, again, you never know. And Netflix... They certainly had their fair share of misses. Now you could argue that, you know, hey, you saw it, right? You you had to know before it premiered that it was going to be amazing. And I agree with that. You certainly had the chance to renew this before this deal went down with MGM. And, you know, you you take the guesswork out of it. So that's that's very true. And it's it's vulnerable, but it's not a done deal. Just because MGM produces this thing and Amazon owns MGM doesn't mean that Wednesday couldn't stay exactly where it is as a matter of fact if you saw earlier in the week actually yesterday I believe it was now remember this is recorded on you know Thursday Friday so when I say yesterday this past week Netflix sent out a very cryptic tweet where it was just Wednesday typing on her typewriter of course and could we be getting season two news by the time this podcast drops maybe but it looks like Netflix will probably hang on to this thing and I'm sure that a deal was struck at some point because listen, even though Amazon purchased MGM and MGM produces Wednesday, there's also something to be said for keeping a show where it is, you know, where everybody already knows where it is, where everybody's familiar with finding it and things like that. And just where everybody's just comfortable right now, because, Either way, MGM's still gonna get some of their money out of this. They're still gonna get money even though the show is on Netflix, okay? And Netflix gets theirs too, and everybody's happy. So moving this to prime video to me would only logistically cause a problem with with delays in getting the the season filmed and giving getting everybody back on board, and you then you're looking at potential casting changes because of delays and things like that. How many times has that happened where something just gets delayed so much where Somebody that's involved with it, whether it be a writer, director, any of the actors on the show go, you know what, I've got other stuff that I need to be doing, and I can't wait for this forever, so I'm going to have to pass. Could you imagine if Jenna Ortega, for some reason, couldn't come back as Wednesday Adams and had to drop out because of delays and things like that? I'm not saying she would. I think she'd bend over backwards to play this character again, but I mean, again, this is not the only thing on Jenna Ortega's plate right now, so... It's not like she can just drop everything whenever she wants to get this thing done. But, you know, there's other casting changes that would be hugely important, too, if that were to happen. So you just got to be really, really careful with something like this. And I think it's going to end up staying put. I think that's what the news is going to be. It was very much up in the air earlier in the week, but it looks like things are going to stay on Netflix for now. But still bears watching, especially not just for this upcoming season but future seasons as well, because I think this is a show that we definitely want to run more than just a couple of seasons. And I'm still looking for my Uncle Fester spinoff too, by the way. I mean, if, if, if we want to do that on Prime Video, I'm fine with that. You want to move a new show there. Or if you just want to keep it on Netflix, then everybody gets to make money and everybody's happy. Ah, streaming wars be damned. Let's all share together, shall we? There's been a few trailers for some stuff that you might have missed. This week, so I want to go ahead and bring it up for you. I want to start with sci-fi. They've got a new show called The Ark that's going to be coming out from Dean Devlin. Who of course, does *Leverage Redemption*. He's been, he's been on the show, and, and of and of course, he's part of the one of the writers in, of *Independence Day* from back in the day. So, *The Ark* going to be coming out on February the first on Sci-Fi. I believe that's a 10 p.m. premiere, by the way. And when you look at the trailer, it's basically a show that is again, you you have these hibernating humans. They're on a ship. They're going to colonize a new planet, a new world, and guess what? Yep, something happens to the ship, catastrophic, everybody that's in charge dies, and there's still, you know, at least a year left to travel till they get to the planet that they're trying to get to. Supplies are dwindling, and everything's in basic chaos. So it's not, here's the, here's the deal, you're not just stranded in space. That would be frustrating enough, and that's certainly something that we've seen before from science fiction, but how much more frustrating it is is it when you know where you're going you know how to get there but you're still so far away and you're not exactly sure if you've got enough resources to get there in the first place and oh by the way everybody that was in charge of this stuff in the first place they're gone now now they even says in the trailers like you know we got some brilliant minds on this ship let's figure this thing out but then you go a little bit stir crazy with the sense of urgency and the fact that not all of your ships survived this thing. So you're, you are you know, closer quarters than you were. And again, some of the supplies were probably damaged along with the people that died in this thing, too, when whatever happened to the ship. So you have to stay on course and stay alive. You're still going to try to make it. So it becomes this tale of survival, tale of exploration sort of thing. There's a lot of new faces that you're seeing in this cast. So it's, it's one of those sci-fi shows where you know, you're not necessarily familiar with a lot of the faces and the names, but it's sci-fi being its namesake. It's sci-fi being science fiction again. And that's not something we've gotten a ton from sci-fi. Don't get me wrong. I love what sci-fi does. And occasionally they'll come up with a really big smash hit that's a really good show. Resident Aliens is basically a very good example of that recently. And I think this is one that actually has a chance because again, sci-fi, and I don't blame them for straying off the path of straight up science fiction, but this is sci-fi being what it was originally created to be. And that just puts a smile on my face for some reason. And I think the creative team involved in this thing as well knows how to tell the good story. So I have confidence in this one that it's not going to be just full of tropes left and right that this could actually have a chance to be something that's really really good plus when you create when you combine Dean Devlin with Jonathan Glasner who created Stargate Stargate SG1 that to me says right there that you know you've got a couple of science guys from science fiction and of course you know Dean Devlin was involved in Stargate as well you've got guys that know what they're doing in this genre so that's why i think this one has a chance to be special february 1st that's a wednesday by the way is when The Arc premieres on sci I'm going to have to try and get some interviews for that one, too. Another trailer that dropped this week was on a Prime Video show called The Consultant, which is going to be coming to the streamer on February the 24th. Now, this one is basically, you thought, if you ever had a creepy boss that you just, always just, you wanted to avoid him or her and just gave you the creeps all the time, and just did some really weird stuff. Well, this takes it to another level because Christopher Walken plays Regis Patoff, and he's basically brought into this you know app gaming company, and it's the guy you you bring in to try and make the company better, sort of thing. You know, you, 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 you're, our company was doing well, but now we need to do better. We need to change things up. So he does, you know, he he, he puts new demands on the employees, and really awkward, weird stuff, and you know, like. And you start to realize, oh, this is like life threatening stuff, and he he even says you know, yeah, you've gotta hate me, hate me so he's he's very much not a people person, he's not an employee's boss for sure, or consultant whatever you wanna call him that 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 is what he is and by the way, if this all sounds familiar, this is based on the novel from Bentley Little in twenty fifteen of the same name, so if you've read the consultant, you're kind of already familiar with this thing, but it's, it is very much not just a boss employee relationship type show. There's definitely a thriller element involved here. I mean, there, there's a, a little note in the notes from prime video that say that, you know, comedic, and I'm not sure we're going to get a ton of that. Not from what I've seen anyway, but I've just talked about a, a movie a couple minutes ago, the, the menu that was billed as a dark comedy. And I, I didn't chuckle, I'm just saying, and that's not a bad thing either, by the way. This should be a thriller. I don't know that we need a comedic element to this, and maybe it's something that'll make you, you know maybe laugh uncomfortably sort of thing. I don't know, but I it, again, it, it'll be very interesting because I, I think this is one where you look at a guy like Christopher Waltz, who's an incredible actor, and you just know that he's going to bring it to this role completely. So again, this is another MGM TV-produced series, by the way, with, along with Amazon Studios, so we'll see how this thing goes on February the 24th. That is The Consultant. Finally, from Pro, from Peacock, excuse me, Natasha Lyonne is back with a brand new show. It's going to be called Poker Face, and it's going to be on January the 26th, so it's coming up a little bit sooner. And basically, Natasha Lyonne plays a character named Charlie Kale, who's a human lie detector. She always knows when somebody's lying. Why is that? We don't know exactly why that is. It doesn't even seem like... She knows why that is. She even says, like, at one point, it's just a thing that I have. And you see, you know, that play out in some hilarious ways in the, in the early parts of this trailer. And then there's the kicker. There's a murder mystery involved here. She's trying to get to the bottom of it. Dangerous things happen. Again, some stuff that you've kind of seen before. But it just seems like anytime Natasha Lyonne is on my screen, she brings, like, this 80s vibe charm to anything that she does. That's one of the reasons I kind of liked Russian Doll, it was just her character in general that I loved and it really feels like there's some 80s vibes flowing throughout this series just in general and there's going to be a lot of amazing guest stars we got to see, you know, Benjamin Bratz in this trailer, Nick Nolte and any number of ones that I'm going to forget off the top of my head. There's a ton they go through a huge list of the guest stars in the trailer. I'll put it up on our website down at nerdypodcast.com. And you can see for yourself. There's a lot of guest stars in this. And, and, and it's a murder mystery. And this is one of those things that's supposed to be fun. You know, a human lie detector. How dangerous could that be? How cool could that be? You know, who would not want that to be used against them? Probably everybody sort of thing. And you've got the charm of Natasha Leone to go ahead and go with all of this in, in a story that seems like it could be very, very interesting. So Poker Face, yeah, this is definitely one I think that has a chance to be really fun Really good and a big winner for Peacock. We'll have to see how that goes coming up in a couple of weeks. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, can't wait for The Flash as well. I talked about that earlier at great length, by the way. And We'll we'll just keep up with all the shows for you. Yes, I promise the interviews are coming back. My bad. I goofed this week. We'll talk about Hunters next week and give you my interviews for that show, season two of that show coming up. Next week. Don't forget, though, to follow along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram, at Down and Nerdy on Facebook, at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok. Got some fun stuff brewing there. Yes, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps out a ton when you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, things like that. If you want to listen on the Rail Map, you could do that too. Also, go to downandnerdypodcast.com. Like I said, got some stuff brewing for the website. As well. It was even subscribed to us on YouTube. We always post some interesting stuff on there as well. But most importantly, never apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly. Be good to your fellow nerds.